Welcome to Ask a Wayfinder, an advice and mindfulness podcast for all those who are seeking, those who are stuck, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Dana Wheelis. I'm a life coach, a meditation teacher, and a human being who is also struggling to stay grounded in 2020. Instead of responding to one letter writer today, I'd like to offer my thoughts on the question each one of us seems to be asking every day this year. How the hell am I going to make it through another day? How do I manage the anxiety, the grief, the anger, all of which is coming up right now? Some of you are learning about meditation and mindfulness techniques for the first time, perhaps out of necessity. Some of you are longstanding practitioners who are wondering why your tools and practices aren't working like they used to. I get it. I'm struggling too. There's a concept in psychology called the window of tolerance. It basically describes how much we can handle in a given day before our system becomes alarmed and we go into a fight-flight response. Your window of tolerance can change from day to day, depending on your circumstances. And because of their previous life experiences, some people's windows of tolerance are smaller just in general. Let's imagine a day when you wake up feeling fully rested without your alarm. You have a sense of purpose for your day and you feel confident and prepared for whatever is on your schedule. You're also feeling connected to your family and friends and you sense a network of support around you. On this day, your window of tolerance is probably going to be pretty wide. If you spill coffee on your shirt or have a difficult interaction with someone, you'll be affected, but it probably won't throw you off your center. Your nervous system is humming along nicely, alert, but calm and receptive. It would take a serious threat to send you into an alarmed state. Ideally, that would be the baseline for all of us humans. This is one of the reasons that meditation is a tool for thriving, not just surviving. The practice of meditation widens our window of tolerance, and it gives us space from whatever is happening around us. We learn to stay curious and stay present even in discomfort so that we don't become alarmed when we don't need to be. There are many of us who live with a smaller window of tolerance for any number of reasons. Those of us who are more sensitive are often processing way more information than others in any given moment. Sensitive people have to navigate a society that was not built with them in mind. They enter a space and they see the crowds and hear the noise just like anybody else, but they also might be sensing the energy or the emotions of the people around them, or they're tuned into the space itself and its orientation. They are taking in way more information than many of the people around them, which puts their system at a risk for overwhelm. Trauma is probably the biggest reason for a person to have a smaller window of tolerance. If you have a traumatic event in your past that's still being healed, your nervous system is already attuned to the world as a dangerous and threatening thing. If as a child you experience the world and your caretakers as dangerous, neglectful, critical, or abusive, 
then your system may be constantly in some form of fight-flight response. Trauma can mean that the baseline experience of the world for you is one of activation and alarm, which can lead to chronic illnesses and a very small window of tolerance. It doesn't take much to send us over the edge. So whatever your window of tolerance was before we entered 2020, I bet it's significantly smaller today. The pandemic has made the outside world feel unsafe. Our routines are gone. Our support networks are in tatters. We feel barraged by breaking news, and it feels like there's no end in sight. All of us are managing some kind of trauma response to 2020. So let's talk about the nervous system and how it responds to threat. And maybe by getting to know it a little better, we can be kinder to ourselves and learn how to work with what we're experiencing. Some of you are already familiar with the general idea that there is a sympathetic response to danger or threat. We tend to use the shorthand fight-flight to refer to that. And then there is a parasympathetic response that counters that fight-flight response. It calms us back down. I'm a big fan of the automobile metaphor. Your sympathetic or fight-flight response is like pressing the gas pedal. Action or movement is needed. The parasympathetic response is like pressing the brakes. It slows you down and brings you back to rest. So let's look at that ideal world, where you're walking around with a wide window of tolerance, navigating challenges in an alert but restful state. Let's say you're walking through town and you come to a streetlight. You wait for the walk sign, and then you step out into the road, as you should. But out of nowhere, a bus comes hurtling toward you with no signs of stopping for the light. Your sympathetic nervous system kicks in. What is needed in this moment? In this case, it's flight. Your entire system moves into action mode and you run out of the way of danger. The bus hurtles past you and you catch your breath on the sidewalk. Luckily, you've escaped. A stranger, and in our scenario, we're assuming there's no danger from COVID-19. A stranger checks in on you. Hey, are you okay? That was scary. They may even support you physically, touch your arm or your back. Your parasympathetic system can now come online. The danger has been averted, and there is no need to stay in action mode. You are safe. You are supported. The stress hormones adrenaline and cortisol will start to flush out of your system, and your heart rate and your breathing gradually come back to their normal resting state. You tell the stranger... Thanks. Yeah, I'm okay. And you might sit down for a moment, or you continue on your way. You've got a story to tell, and you may be a little more jumpy than usual for the rest of that day. But all in all, your system worked exactly as it was supposed to. Unfortunately, most of us do not have nervous systems that are working as designed. For example... The sympathetic response is more complicated than just fight-flight. There appear to be four Fs at play. Fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Sometimes a system gets locked in indecision and just freezes into place. 
the stereotypical deer in headlights situation. And for those who grew up with an abusive or deeply critical caregiver, appeasement and supplication become a survival strategy. That's what to fawn is. In moments of interpersonal threat, this person will throw everything they have into taking care of the other person to ensure their own safety. Now, fawning is not much help when there's a bus hurtling toward you. So every one of us has a default sympathetic nervous system strategy, and then a cascade of others that we try until something works. You'll notice that people tend to have a primary and secondary strategy for dealing with overwhelming or challenging situations. Sometimes we just say that's personality. I would say that that is a compensation pattern for something that happened in their youth. Some have the classic fight flight. I stand my ground until that is no longer the best strategy. Or the reverse might be true. My default is to run until running no longer serves me. Some will freeze until that doesn't serve them. And then they will react in the next way that has served them in the past, be it fight, flight, or fawn. These default nervous system strategies are already in place by the time we turn 10 years old. For many of us, actually long before that. We can learn a lot about ourselves and where we need to heal by looking closely and with kindness and curiosity at our own personal blend of survival strategies. So I myself tend toward freeze and fawn. This is because I was raised in a family of origin where neither fight nor flight were valid options. The best I could do was try to be invisible, or if that didn't work, to appease and cater to the person in power. Trust me when I say that, while this helped me survive to adulthood, and for that I am grateful, it has not served me well as an adult. But working with this and learning about this It's also why I'm so fascinated by my work, and it has led me to a life where I can feel in service and in purpose to others. So I invite you to look at yourself. What are your dominant survival strategies? What is coming up for you right now? Are you noticing patterns in the way that you respond when you're overwhelmed? And in what situations do you turn to certain survival strategies, even when they're not objectively the action that would have best served you? And once you've done that, and let's be frank, that's a lot. So take it slowly and be kind to yourself. Um, Try taking a look at the world around you. 2020 is giving us all a masterclass in trauma, in overwhelm, and the human nervous system in threat mode. Try to be curious about how people are reacting. Try to see the wounded child underneath their behavior. As with all of this work, understanding and compassion do not excuse bad behavior. But it does give us space to stop the cycle of reaction and retribution. One of the reasons I love my work with my clients is that we get to reset and recalibrate their nervous systems. 
we get to look at these old strategies with care and compassion, and using body work and meditation, we get to bring their systems to rest, sometimes for the first time in ages. Those of us with a smaller window of tolerance are often running a sympathetic response all of the time. Our bodies are pumping out cortisol, and we're partially frozen, even as we're picking out a watermelon at the grocery store. Some of us live our lives with our systems pressing the gas and the brake at the same time, and we've learned to function in constant sympathetic response. So while we look calm and collected on the outside, we are on high alert on the inside. It's just the white noise of our lives. It's so ever-present, we don't even realize we're in overdrive. The message I want to share with you today, the thing that I really hope you can take away from this, is that healing is possible. 2020 is not going to let up. Big change is here, and I actually believe that it will ultimately lead to a better world. But the wear and tear on our systems is real, though. So more than ever, we have to be kind to ourselves. We have to get curious, not just about how we're feeling, but what we can learn from our default responses to threat and change. I think I hear you saying, well, all this is well and good, philosophical, Dana, but what do I do in the moment? How do I deal with all of what's happening? So let's take a moment to talk about triage. What do we do when we're at our limit? How can we upgrade our own toolbox to handle whatever 2020 throws at us? So here's my list. Number one, it's going to come as a complete shock to you, I'm sure, but it's meditation. I know, I know. (laughs) You're already here. (laughs) But even five minutes of silence a day really can make a difference. If your brain chatter is just too much to make this possible, then you are not alone and no worries. I totally get it. I could not start without guided meditation. It can be just as effective and sometimes even more so. There are lots of meditations available for free on YouTube, um, but I also know that that probably feels a bit like the Wild West and it's hard finding something that works for you, especially when you're already feeling so destabilized. So if I may, (laughs) if you can indulge me in a little self-promotion, you can follow me on Insight Timer, which is a free app that you can download to your phone or device, and it has hundreds of thousands of possibilities. Not just me. Look around. There are so many possibilities that are guided, with or without music, short, long, you name it. And if you look at my profile, I highly recommend the body awareness meditation that focuses on your hands. It's one of my personal go-tos on hard days, and it's really great for beginners. So number two on our list is to journal. This one's not rocket science either, I know, and you've probably heard it many times before. And some of you may even feel a lot of resistance to the idea. But just consider this. 
the act of writing longhand, it slows you down. Part of the problem of a nervous system in overdrive is that you are living your life with your foot on the gas pedal. Slowing down is essential. Get those thoughts on paper. Give yourself space to feel what you are feeling, even though it ain't fun, I know. Be petty. Be whiny. Be angry. Let yourself just be. If you let yourself engage in stream of consciousness writing for long enough, and that's no self-editing, no imagining how this is going to sound in the memoir, just stream of consciousness writing, I promise you, you will start to see some pretty interesting things pour out of you. Writing is magic, y'all. Do not take it for granted. Number three, hum or sing. Using our voices is such a great tool for calming the nervous system. And there are two main reasons for this. One is that pushing air through your vocal cords literally vibrates them, and it vibrates through your throat and your chest. That vibration can soothe the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve in the body, and extends all the way from the brainstem down to your sacrum. It's the primary nerve at play when we're talking about the nervous system. So try humming, saying ooh or hmm, or if that doesn't get deep enough, try vuuuh. Just try it out when you're feeling really stressed out. You may feel a little silly at first, but trust me, it's a game changer. I'm finding in 2020 that panic attacks are a thing for me again. It's something that I thought I'd worked through. I thought it was behind me, but no, it's happening again. And you want to know my number one tool when I feel a panic attack coming on? I hum right away. I get to my car, I get to a bathroom, I get wherever I can, and I hum, and it works. So humming and singing also do something else for the body. They lengthen your out-breath. One of the signs of a sympathetic nervous system response is that sort of out-of-control, shallow breathing, um, the hyperventilation that you sometimes see in, in, on TV or in movies, the in-breaths become longer than the out-breaths. Your body goes into this survival mode feedback loop that can be absolutely terrifying to experience. Singing and humming do the exact opposite. They engage the parasympathetic response and calm you down. So, turn up the radio and belt it out. See if that helps. And speaking of breath work, try other forms of working with your breath. There are so many options available. And once again, Insight Timer is a great resource for that. For nervous system triage, I usually turn to something called square breathing. And I'll put a link to more information about it in the show notes. But just imagine a square where each side is equal in length to the other. Perhaps it's easiest if we try it together right now. Just like humming or singing, 
Square breathing is an attempt to slow and regulate the in and out breaths. So here's how you do it. You breathe in for a slow count of four. Hold your breath there for a count of four. Exhale for a count of four. Then hold your breath again there for another count of four. So to demonstrate, that's inhale, two, three, four, Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold it, two, three, four. Then do it again. Inhale, hold, exhale, hold. So I just did one round. You'll want to do at least five rounds of this, preferably ten if you can. It is another surefire technique to engage the brakes and slow down your sympathetic nervous system response. There are so many other ways we can learn to understand and work with our bodies when they are in overdrive. This is just a sampling, really. But I want you to notice something important about all of them. They all go against the grain of how we're taught to move in this world. They slow us down in a world that tells us to speed up, push through, conquer, and accomplish. We have so much cultural training that keeps us from doing these things. We may even feel shame around needing to do them in the first place. Think of a situation of conflict at work. The thing you might need most in that moment is to pause and do some square breathing or journal. And yet, our culture tells us that we are weak if we cannot respond perfectly in the moment. We watch these action movies where our hero encounters challenge after challenge, one life-threatening situation after another, and yet they are completely unfazed. They are strong, we think. They are models for living. 2020 is the most intense action movie most of us have ever lived through. We are not going to survive trying to live up to a fantasy of strength and superhuman will. We have bodies. We have nervous systems that were shaped by our histories. The sooner we learn to love and care for these bodies and these nervous systems, the better our chances are of becoming resilient, compassionate, capable beings who can build a world where everyone can thrive. For our meditation today, I want to use sound as an anchor for our focus instead of words. There are so many words in our days. (laughs) Let's just rest for a few moments in the slow ringing tones of singing bowls. If you feel like it, go ahead and try humming along with the sound. Feel your chest vibrate along with the notes. Give yourself a break from 2020. And as you find a place to get settled, I'll go ahead and wrap up the show so that ending messages don't interrupt your rest when the meditation is done. Stay with whatever peace you can find for as long as you need. So let me just thank you 
for listening to another episode of Ask a Wayfinder. I really hope that today's discussion has helped. You can email me questions at askawayfinder at gmail.com, or you can reach out to me via my website, that's dearhawkhealing.com. There's also a page on my website you might be interested in called I Need Inspiration, and it includes two helpful tools for managing a hard day. One is the Dear Hawk Oracle, which is a spinner I made um, with my bird and nature drawings, each of which has some message or guidance for you. So what you do is you just take a screenshot and then see who shows up. And then down below the oracle on that page is a carousel that I stocked full of resources I use when I need a little boost, and I often recommend to my clients. Podcasts, music, poems, art, just click through the carousel until something catches your eye, and just see if it helps lift your spirits. That's DeerHawkHealing.com. Just go to the menu and look for I Need Inspiration. I love hearing from you, and I love sharing my work with you. And I have my days, too. Just remember that those of us who do this work, we sought out these tools because we needed them, too. Okay, now that you're in your comfortable space and ready to meditate, close your eyes and take three deep breaths just to bring you out of thoughts and into the present moment. Inhale through your nose, exhale through your mouth. Allow your awareness to encompass your entire body. Let the tones of the bowls wash over you, resting your awareness on the sound. Track how your system responds to the sounds you hear, noticing if it differs depending upon the pitch or the tone. Sink back and be the watcher. Let yourself surf along the sounds that you hear. You'll know the meditation is done when you hear three tones in rapid succession. However, feel free to stay at rest for however long you need.